Our epistle reading comes from Romans chapter 12, and this is the basis for the message today. Excuse me, Romans chapter 8, the basis for our message today. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. By sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen text for this morning as Pastor Sam just pointed out, Romans 8, not Romans 12, right? Uh, A reading as we continue our study of the book of of Romans. I stumbled across an old Alfred Hitchcock movie a while back, Rear Window, starring Jimmy Stewart. Maybe some of you remember the storyline. Stewart is a photojournalist laid up in his apartment with a broken leg. And during a, a heat wave in the city before the days of air conditioning, everyone has their windows wide open trying to cool off. And Stewart has a bird's eye view of his neighbor's lives. And, and it gets all complicated and suspenseful. It's Hitchcock, remember, when he begins to suspect that one of his neighbors has murdered his wife. Now, we've been studying Romans for weeks and weeks and weeks now. And I don't know about you, but sometimes it all becomes sort of a mixed-up muddle of words that leaves my head spinning. So as I tried to find my way into today's text in a meaningful way that would lift your spirits, that would awaken your hearts, I imagined Paul, the author of this letter, one of the early followers of Jesus, peering peering out the, the rear window of time and by the power of the Holy Spirit seeking to solve the mystery of a murder, of the death of Jesus that unleashes life into our lives. 
Now, an author that I'm presently reading complains that we have lazily reduced Romans and really the whole story of God recorded in the Bible to this and his quote, not my words, but a quote, humans were supposed to behave themselves. They didn't. God had to punish them. But Jesus stood in the way, so God forgave them after all, provided they believe in Jesus. And rather than going to hell, they can now go to heaven instead. Now it's a bit of a slap in the face. It's a hard book to read. Because I've thought that way. I've, I've preached that message from this pulpit. I have lived my life as a follower of Jesus with that mentality. We're all a bunch of no good, dirty, rotten, lousy, stinking, miserable excuses for human beings who deserve to burn in hell forever. But don't worry, Jesus loves us and died for us. Our sins are all forgiven and someday we'll go to heaven and we'll live happily ever after. But Paul is trying to describe, to unpack, to explain, to inspire in us the vision of a whole different way of thinking and acting and talking. And while sin and God's wrath are a part of the story, they're not the only part, and maybe not even the main part. The golden thread that is woven through all of the Bible and the key to Romans is that God is a loving, kind, merciful, and most importantly, faithful, promise-keeping God who is working in your life, in my life, in the midst of the mess of this world to make all things new, to put the world right, to establish his kingdom little by little and more by more right now until Jesus comes again to make it permanent. And our text for today is yet another key that helps us unlock the power of that mystery into your life and into mine and, and therefore into the world. Look, last week we learned from Romans chapter 5 that we have peace with God, that the hostility between humanity and our Creator has ended, that we have ongoing access to the grace of God to live humbly and boldly day by day, and that we have a hope of being restored to the face-to-face -face real presence glory of God for which we were created. And so rich and so powerful is our faith in Jesus that we can even rejoice in our suffering because it produces perseverance, which produces character, which produces more and more hope. The message of Romans is like the splitting of a spiritual atom in our lives that sets off a powerful chain reaction of more and more hope and joy regardless of circumstances. Today I would like for you to take this home from the sermon today. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. We are in Christ, and 
Christ is in us. So let's take a look. First, we are in Christ. Now I told the listeners that I preached to last week that the word therefore is always a signal that tells us to stop and ask, what is it there for? Because it is a word that singles a summary, it signals a conclusion of what has gone before and what has gone before this, therefore, is Paul's cry at the end of chapter 7, who will rescue me from this body of death? That is from this ongoing struggle to try and live the life that he longs to live. Loving God with all of his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, with all his strength, and loving others even as he loves himself. And so he answered, thanks be to God, and he exclaims through Jesus Christ our Lord, and that launches us into our text for today. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You can think about it like a prisoner on death row condemned to die and then suddenly and unexpectedly he's pardoned, he is, he is set free. But listen carefully, please. Our pardon from sin and the death sentence that follows is only half of the story. I mean, when that prisoner is released back into the world, he is still looked at as a convicted criminal. Look, we've seen way too many stories of how such pardoned prisoners fare after their release. But in Christ, in Christ, you are not just pardoned sinners. You are not just forgiven ex-cons looking for a way to try and fit back into society. Now we are completely transformed new creations. In Christ, we are sons and daughters of the king with all of the privileges of royalty. You remember how Peter, one of Jesus' early followers, put it in his letter, you're a chosen race, you're a royal priesthood, you're a holy nation, you are a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. No condemnation means no condemnation. We are not people who are always somehow moving back and forth in and out of condemnation. We believe that grace alone, through faith alone, in Jesus alone, brings us now into an ongoing living relationship with Jesus. Christ is in us. And we are in him continuously. And so we hate our sin and we long to be completely from it and when we're tempted and we do in fact sin we become aware of it and we repent which means we turn back to God and discover not an angry judge condemning us 
but a loving God who sweeps us up in his arms, sets us back on our feet again with a strong word of encouragement that we are forever loved in Christ. One preacher from the last century said this, most of our troubles in living the Christian life are due to our failure to realize the truth of this verse. So what happens to us when we forget that there is now no condemnation? Well, let me tell you. We will feel all sorts of guilt and unworthiness and pain much more than we should. Look, I'm not trying to minimize or to make light of your sin or mine. I'm just saying that sometimes we get so caught up in being a poor, miserable sinner that we lose the motivation to actually be the new creation, to be the truly transformed people of God that we are in Christ. So how can you tell? How can you tell if you are still living like a pardoned ex-con? Well, here are some symptoms. You are driven by a need to prove yourself, to make a name for yourself. You pursue your work, your education, your musical ability, your sport, not out of joy of using your God-given gifts to the best of your ability, but out of a need to prove that you, in fact, are somebody, that you are worthy. And so let me confess that that mentality turned me into a workaholic for way too much of my career as your pastor, trying to build the kingdom of Wally all under the guise of growing the church. Living as if you are still under condemnation will make you highly sensitive to criticism and it will generate all kinds of defensiveness in your marriage, in your friendships. In fact, you might find it hard to be friends with anybody except those who are like you. Your politics will become polarized with no way to actually work together. Explosive anger, incessant worry, and despair are the results of still living under condemnation. And in your spiritual life, living as if you're still under condemnation will either drive you away from being here on Sunday morning at all because you are tired of hearing that you are a sinner and besides that most of the people at church are way worse sinners than you are or it will turn your faith life your worship your volunteerism your generosity into just another way to prove your worthiness Paul goes to great lengths in this text to convince us that there is now no condemnation verse 2 the spirit of life has set you free has set you free. Verse 3, by sending his own son, he condemned sin in the flesh once and for all. And we are in Christ. And 
and then he turns the corner. You are in Christ. There is now no condemnation. And Christ is in you. <gasps> what? The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. How? Well, by the power of the Word of God. Every time you listen to a sermon, every time you read your Bible, sing a song based on the Scripture, hear a devotion, the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, that is, gave life where death reigned, breathes that life into your lungs, and faith is ignited. Faith comes by hearing. And then when you respond in prayer, you breathe out and respiration is restored and you become a living, breathing human being. Every time that you see, taste, touch, hear, or smell water and remember your baptism, the Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead showers and cleanses your heart again. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him and raised to new life. Every time that you eat the bread and drink the wine, Jesus' real body and blood in the Lord's Supper, the Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead feeds and nourishes your faith with healthy, living, life-giving food from heaven. And every time you have a conversation with someone about your faith, I don't know, how did it go with you this week? Where did you struggle? Where were you victorious? The spirit that raised Jesus from the dead takes you to the gym to exercise, to work out your faith, to awaken your heart to the power of life in Christ. When Christ in us, we walk according to the Spirit, verse 4. With Christ in us, we set our minds on the things of the Spirit. And in case you've been confused about what the things of the spirit versus the things of the flesh are, Paul spells it out in his letter to the Galatians. Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you. As I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. With Christ in us, we turn our hearts away from the brokenness of this world. We set our minds and we pursue the things of the Spirit. 
Not out of fear of punishment, not out of drivenness to make a name for ourselves, but out of a deep sense of awe at God's grace. What we need is to build a practice of preaching grace-centered many sermons to ourselves throughout the course of the day, especially when you're being tempted. Because too often we try to control ourselves with law-centered many sermons. We say things to ourselves like, if I do that, God will get me. (laughs) Or at least he won't bless me. Oh, that's against my Christian principles. Or it will hurt the people around me. Or I will be embarrassed. Or it will hurt my self-esteem. God, I hate myself in the morning. And while some of that may be true, those messages will not transform you. It will not give you the power and the motivation to change. So, instead, this week, I want you, especially when you are being tempted to give in to the flesh and to look, when you're tempted to give in to the flesh, to look to the cross and to tell yourself, I am in Christ and Christ is in me. And by the work of the Spirit, through immersion in the word, your baptism, the Lord's Supper, your conversations about your faith with fellow believers and with prayer, discover and experience what it means to be in Christ and Christ in you. Amen. Now the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in this true faith to life everlasting. Amen. We've been trying to put up a weekly awakening question. Here's the one for this week. How will you set your mind on Jesus' cross and resurrection this week? How will you set your mind on Jesus' cross and resurrection this week?